Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome, everyone, to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast and, of course, now videocast. I'm Jake Kaparski. This is John Littering. You can follow John on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Jake. It's good to be back after over a month off. Today, we're going to go ahead and talk about the biggest fights here at UFC 270, the first pay-per-view of the calendar year 2022, but... You know, I feel like we can't start off a fight show without discussing uh, the banger that was Calvin Kadar and Giga Chikadze on Saturday. I mean, a little bit of a lackluster card leading up to that. It it lost a few fights. Some fights got moved over to this card here. But, uh, man, that main event really delivered. It's an excellent main event and an excellent performance from Calvin Kadar that I don't think many people saw coming. I admittedly got that one wrong. I thought uh, Giga would be able to take control on the feet in that fight. Uh, last time we saw Calvin Cater before Saturday was almost exactly a year ago, and he was eating something like 500 strikes from Max Holloway or something. Um, he took the full year just about and looked better than ever. Uh, yeah, I wish I, I wish more fighters would do that. I mean, it was a conscious decision by his coach, you know, to, to take that time off and really – I mean, honestly, that's what G is going to have to do after this fight if he wants to really allow himself the time to, you know, physically, mentally recover and get right again to get back on track. Yeah, and I actually thought Giga looked pretty good for like the first three minutes or so. Then he went for like some like one of his crazy kicks, and Cater essentially sprinted across the cage to take him down, mm-hmm. and he was really never the same after that. I don't know if it was a cardio thing or whatever, but yep. his energy like got sapped from rolling yeah. around on the ground for two exactly. and a half minutes. I mean, once he got put on his back, he had no real chance to get up at all. And, nope. and uh, you, you know, if someone like, you know, Volkanovsky might try to do that to you, there are other elite featherweights that might try to do that to you. So at least now we have, we see there's a clear hole in his game. Of course, he's going to take some time off. You know, that that's a life-changing beating. I mean, the way that his face looked after that. He took yep. elbow after elbow, spinning back, you know, spinning elbows that knock out most mortals. So, I mean, credit to his chin. At least he takes home an extra 50K fight of the night bonus. But uh, you do worry about something like that. You know, like I said, life-changing beating. Yeah, that's the kind of fight and the kind of beating that 
can take multiple fights off your career on the back end, you know, and look, he definitely deserved his $50,000 performance of the night bonus. Cause mm-hmm. it was a nothing short of a miracle that he ended up seeing the final bell. I mean, that was a 25 minute or maybe like a 23 minute just beat down worth mm-hmm. a one way traffic the last 23 minutes or so of that fight. And he, yeah. you're right. He ate dozens and dozens of shots that would have finished off any mere mortal. Yeah, any un- yeah, I mean, yeah, so many things. Uh, the funny part is, I I had a coworker shout out to AJ who was out in Vegas, and he asked me, "Hey, do you like any bets on this fight?" And you know, or on on this fight card? And yeah, originally, you know, this is one where I didn't really play, uh, you know, many bets in that sense because the card got butchered. There are a lot of low level fights on the card, and I was like, "Well, if you want a safe one, go Chukagian by decision. That's maybe minus one twenty or something. If you want a wild, risky one, go ahead and take Cater by round five knockout." And man, he had him at like plus thirty three hundred. Well, there you and, go. And Keith Peterson was looking real close at the end there, especially after that other elbow. And you know, if that fight lasts another ten seconds, I think Cater would have gotten the job done, maybe. Oh, and uh, so, that, so that one was a tough loss to take, but at least kind That's of on the right track there. Kind of on the right track. See, I, I had always, I had always underrated Giga. I, uh, I had a lot of money on him losing to Barboza because I thought that you know you, you get that finally you get that step up in competition. Uh, and, and you know it's gonna fall and it didn't happen against Barbosa you know an aging guy that's fought killers been in a lot of wars too uh, but Cater was the one to finally humble Giga a little bit and uh, I have no doubt he'll be back he has an absolute skill set he reminds me a little bit almost about Asanya in a sense where his kickboxing is so elite his kicks are arguably even more powerful but obviously we're gonna have to get that ground game stuff worked out here before we uh, take on more high level opponents yeah, and I mean, and this is a fight that theoretically should have played into his strengths because he's facing a guy in Cater who is pretty much just a boxer, not even so much a kickboxer. Cater doesn't throw many kicks. Mm-hmm. He's mostly just a boxer with really fast hands, and you'd think this would have been a strong stylistic matchup for him, but like you said, the once he got taken down the first round and spent whatever, two and a half minutes, two minutes, whatever it was, rolling around, he was clearly not the same guy, not even from a technical standpoint on the ground where obviously he didn't look comfortable but his cardio and his energy were zapped for the final four rounds compared to the first three or four minutes yeah right on all right so we're going to get into ufc 270 here in just the second couple quick housekeeping things to uh to mention here of course as always it's been a while since uh you know we've been on here so as a reminder uh you know rotowire.com slash free gets you 10 days to rotowire.com no strings attached here you know our DraftKings optimizer pretty much launches as soon as the site launches They've got some fighters to add yet, so I presume that'll happen over the course of the week. Um, but, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with our optimizer. You can use just an odds-based model or use projections from Chris Olson and uh, custom projections, you know, set, set up all sorts of rules and stuff uh, to mass enter. I mean, DraftKings is doing a pretty big contest. I thought maybe it'd be a little bit bigger with the prize pools this week for, uh, you know, for a big pay-per-view having, you know, no college football. But I think they're a little bit worried about going up head-to-head against NFL. Uh, I'm rambling a little bit. The other housekeeping item I wanted to mention, uh, you know, speaking of Chris and the boys, they're going to do fight I on friday night i believe we're going eight eastern uh the panelists should be might be the regular crew still tbd at this time but definitely make sure to check those guys out same channel here if you're here please like the video please subscribe uh you know we need to get to a certain number of subscriptions and i've been oh just very impressed that uh you know the, the love you guys have shown us so far but uh if we need to get to a certain number of subscriptions then it just helps us get noticed a lot more so appreciate that all right enough of that here heavyweight main event this is the baddest man on the planet uh truly you know the heavyweight champion in the ufc and you know 
it is an excellent, excellent fight that I cannot wait for. We've got Francis Ngannou, uh, you know, and uh, he's going to be taking on Cyril Gan. And surprisingly, to me at least at first, Ngannou is the underdog in this fight. And of course, the DraftKings salary reflect that. Gan is eighty four hundred on DraftKings, and Ganu is seventy eight hundred. I think this is the lowest you have ever in the past, or will ever see Francis and Ganu uh, on DraftKings. And uh, of course, Gan minus one forty five favorite comeback, and Ganu plus one twenty five. I looked on the best fight odds beforehand, and Francis and Ganu has never been an underdog in any fight before that has ever put odds on uh, in the past. Odds to finish. Obviously, we have two giant heavy hitters here uh, that can end this thing in an instant, in a blink of an eye. This is why you do not want to take your eyes off your screen. Odds to finish are minus 280. That is far and away the biggest on the main card, and I believe the entire card here. So you look at this. I mean, I think Ngannou is a little bit more popular, maybe has a little bit more of a following, some of those highlight real knockouts. So people are going to look at this fight and think, why the heck is he the underdog? John, can you explain to our listeners why that's the case? Well, he's the underdog because Siragan's really, really good. Now, um, look, outside of moving and pushing John Jones up to heavyweight, this is pretty much the biggest fight in the division the UFC can make right now. It's certainly the best fight they can make right now. Now, Francis Ngannou won the UFC Heavyweight Championship uh, about a year ago, March 2021, knocked out Stipe Miocic. Um We've seen Francis in big spots before where he didn't look particularly comfortable. He looked very calm, very composed in that fight, won the title. Um, Simply put, his power is the greatest difference maker in the sport today. Um, With all due respect to a guy like Derek Lewis, who has won a bunch of fights at the end with miracle knockouts and stuff like that, nobody in this sport today has the power to knock you out with one shot like Francis Ngannou does. Um, He's won five in a row overall, all via knockout. There are still questions regarding Francis's secondary skills. His cardio has been up and down at times. Um, his grappling is certainly not on the level of his striking. That being said, he's a big, strong guy. Um, you know, he looks like he's just gigantic. He looks like a superhero watching him. Um, and he's doing a better job lately of picking his spots in the sense that he's not going for broke. He's trying to figure out when he should make that push, when he should sit back a little. And I certainly think that's helped his cardio a bunch. Now, you mentioned he's an underdog, and he's an underdog because Cyril Gon's really, really good. Um, Gon fought la- la- fought uh, March uh, last March, so he- he's in the same boat as uh, Ngannou. Um, he torched Derek Lewis from start to finish. Now, Derek Lewis is extremely popular and has a bunch of power, but he's one dimensional. That doesn't mean it took away at all from Gon's performance. Everything I've seen from Gon makes him look like a 25, 30, 40 fight veteran. But this is a guy who has 10 professional fights, not 10 UFC fights, 10 professional fights under his belt. He fought three times before entering the UFC. He's fought seven times since. And as good as the performance over Lewis was, it's two fights ago in his performance over Alexander Volkov, which was June 2021, that I was most impressed with. Alexander Volkov is about six foot seven, six foot eight, an elite level kickboxer. And Cyril Gan totally and completely negated him in that fight. He his footwork 
is exceptional. Um, he gets in and out before his opponent can fire off combinations at him. And he has a unique awareness inside the octagon for a guy who only has 10 professional fights. And I'm kind of under the belief that that's something you can't teach. Sure, you can get more comfortable with more reps, but you either have fight IQ or you don't. Um, he looks like one of the smoothest athletes in the game today, really, not just in the division. Um, and look, I was really, if you told me a year ago at this time, I don't think I would have picked against Ngannou against anybody in the division. But, you know, I changed my mind. Gan is so good at moving his feet and putting together combinations that I think he will win this fight unless Ngannou knocks him out. Now that I don't, that's not a big spoiler. I think most people would think that if Francis is going to win, it's going to come via knockout. But to give you an idea of how mobile Gan is, he lands 5.37 significant strikes a minute. We talk about Francis and all, you know, all the damage he does. He lands just 2.54. So we're talking a two to one significant strike edge for gone. Now, part of that's because Francis has knocked a bunch of guys out quickly. So he's not going to have rack up some of the high numbers that gone is. I think, and I think Francis, Ganu, he has like the UFC record for knockdowns per significant strike. Oh yeah. Shout out to, uh, you know, our old stats guru, Richard. Uh, he would always bring stuff like that up. Like no one has as many knockdowns per strike landed. So each of those strikes is worth a lot more. At least that's why the numbers are. are Absolutely. Added. Yeah, I mean, Francis's strikes are definitely going to be harder when they do land. They're definitely going to cause more damage. Um, the overall breakdown of this thing, at least for me, is like really actually fairly straightforward. Gon's a better athlete. His cardio is better. His footwork's better. If this fight goes 25 minutes, he's probably almost certainly going to win. Now, if you want to look at the flip side of that, 25 minutes, two extra rounds in a championship fight gives Francis extra time to try and land one of those big shots. If Gon's chin holds up, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I'm taking Gon to win. I am not overly confident about it. Um, you have to absolutely get Nganu in your DraftKings lineup somewhere if you're the type to make multiple lineups. The ceiling is just too high. Um, and like you said earlier, if you're an Nganu believer, both from a DraftKings standpoint or just from a straight betting standpoint, this is may very well be your one attempt to get him at plus money from a betting standpoint and at just 7,800 from a DraftKings standpoint, because if he knocks out gone, you're not going to see a price like that again. Mm -hmm. I will say if you are a betting man or woman, uh, and you're looking at the odds for this fight in Ganu, you know, I said plus 125 to win. I think uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook, at least according to our website right now, has him at plus 135. Um, however, that's him to win. If you're thinking about making that bet, just go ahead and take the Nganu by knockout bet. Yep. Because Absolutely. there's no way he wins the decision. He's nope. not going to suddenly submit Cyril Gan. So, uh, so you know, you don't get a ton of extra money. But, I mean, plus 175, at least at points bet right now, is one of the better numbers we're showing. More, I mean, this is early in the week, granted. You're going to see a lot of sports books come out. We do this on our, on our site. We show DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet MGM, and points bet, and are hoping to add more, you know, MMA odds to this eventually. But, you know, take him at 135 to win or 175 yeah. to knock him out. That's your bet. Take him by knockout. Yeah. So if you if you know if you bet two hundred bucks, you know, 
and you go with the knockout instead of just the straight win, you're making, you know, 75, 80 bucks extra if you win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, I mean, that part's a no brainer. So, you know, now, yeah, you know, we welcome people of all, you know, experience and skill levels here. You know, if, if you're new to that game, if you're in, I don't know, maybe New York where sports betting was just legalized. We're good. Know, shout out. You guys are good. Now you can, uh, we can finally, uh, you, you know, don't have to, don't have to use those. Nope. Things. Nope. We're in. Yep. You're in. So uh, good to go. Congratulations on that. I'm still waiting in Wisconsin. I got to drive down to Illinois or, or Iowa. There's some nice casinos right over the bridge so that I can figure it out. Um, anyway, so, all right. So I didn't want to get too sidetracked there. That's the clear bet if you want to make. I'm actually going to pick Nganu in this fight. Uh, there are a few reasons why. Uh, again, in Nganu's losses, the Derek Lewis one, he was timid. He wasn't right. I throw that one out because he has looked himself since then. And in the first Stipe fight, Stipe was able to avoid the big shots and take him down to the ground and hold him onto the ground. And Stipe, pretty respectable grappler here. Cyril Gunn has 10 MMA fights, and I don't think he's had enough time in the cage to quite work on that aspect of his game. So I don't think that that is a way that he'll be able to negate the power of Nganu. Now, yes, his Cyril Gunn is a lot quicker on the feet. I will give him that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead now and... I, I, you know, in our in our betting tutorial on RotoWire, one of the principles that we offer is to not get too tied to one fight outcome, and there really is only one fight outcome that in that where Ngannou wins this fight, and that's by knockout, like is usually the case here. Um, I I just think he's going to get it, <laughs> and I think the value that you get with him is uh, is is great. So I'm all over this. I'm I'm going to go ahead and take this. The only there are some risks though with this, of course. Uh, you know, we saw Derek Lewis chase gone around for a little while while he was getting completely pieced up by himself. Um, you know, I'll give I'll give Ngannou the athleticism edge and um and, and give it to him. I, and he'll be able to, or at least over over Derek Lewis, you know, and I think he's going to be able to land more. And all it takes is once, and even grazing shots from Francis and Francis and Ganu can put you right to sleep here. So, uh, you know, and like like I said, betting or the odds to finish minus two eighty. You got to get some of him in your DraftKings lineups. I will say I wouldn't stack this fight at all because it's either gone. Um, you know, racking up points and getting into decision, or maybe a late stoppage if Nganu runs out of gas, or it's Nganu, you know, ending this early. I don't see a scenario at all in which both of these fighters can rack up a ton of fantasy points. So you're taking your pick, and but whatever side you're on, you make 10 lineups, you put six in one and four in the other, you know, and you and you split that even. You need to have high exposure to this fight because of the extra rounds and the high likelihood of a finish here. And you know, from there. You know, what are you going to do? I can see the case for Gan. Now, only 10 professional fights, like I mentioned, but he had a Muay Thai and a kickboxing career where he was pretty undefeated there, too. I think he was 13 and 0 as a kickboxer, nine by knockout. So, uh, plenty of combat sports experience here, as skilled as they need to be. This won't, if, if Gan loses, it won't be the last time he fights for a title. And the other thing is, uh, you know, in Ganu's contract situation, he's been pretty vocal about being underpaid, and he seems ready to maybe hang it up and go after boxing for a while, see if he can get some of that, you know, Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury money. So, you know, that's something into play. Is one foot out the door already. You have to think about that too. But um, pretty much since I've seen Ngannou over the last handful of fights, um, you know, since he came on, since he got to the point in his career where he was on pay-per-views and we were picking these big fights, I don't think I've ever picked against him, and I'm not going to stop that now. I'm going to be stubborn, and I'm going to take the underdog money while I can because this will be the only chance that, that it's ever going to happen. 
Yeah, it very well might be. And I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is you kind of need high exposure to this fight because, quite frankly, this card's not very good. You know, once you get past the main event and the co-main event, this is not a. This card had a bunch of fights canceled, a bunch of fights moved. Even well, the fights, a lot of them, three, a lot of them are even, just recycled from. I was going to say, even three quarters of the fights that are, even three quarters of the fights that are happening were just yeah. kind of moved from other events and stuff. So there's not a ton of depth here that you'd have. And we talk about this before, where a lot of times on cards where the UFC puts two title fights, they don't really go full tilt on the rest of the card. They've been a little better at that recently. This one kind of falls back into that pattern. So it's definitely a good idea to get some of this one somewhere. Yeah, we did lose a fight. I mean, the, the Hardy thing we'll talk about in a second. So, uh, you know, just something to mention. Here, yeah, and but... I mean, and uh, Cannonier and Brunson were supposed to be on this card, weren't they? Yep. Yeah, they got that, pushed a little ways back. Got, back. That got pushed. So it lost a few along the way. Exactly. Let's uh, quick do a pause from our uh, sponsors at Blue Wire. And we are back with one more title fight to discuss here. We've got a flyweight championship. Uh, you know, we're gonna. It's another excellent fight. It's funny. You know, I'm joking around. We got the big guys, the heavyweights, and we got the little guys, the 125ers. And uh, this is a fight that you know, even most casual fans that you know are are just tuning in for pay per views should be familiar to, with uh, these guys to some degree here. Uh, you know, we've got the current champ, Brandon Moreno, taking on Davison Figueiredo. Uh, Moreno is the favorite at minus 180. Comeback on Figgy is plus 155. Moreno, 8,500 on DraftKings. Figueiredo, 7,700. It's actually, it's seemingly rare after seeing all these Nunes and Shevchenko cards that we get slightly more evenly matched salaries as opposed to having to pay $9,600 for, uh, for the top one in the main event here. But this is a very, very interesting fight, of course it is a trilogy fight Figueiredo retained in the first fight and which was I believe a majority draw because of a dock point and then Moreno came back the next time around and looked incredibly incredibly dominant um and it, it was like what the heck happened to Figgy here because he was looking like a pretty unbeatable force in the flyweight division for a while here and, and if you don't mind I'm gonna go first on the on, on the my analysis and my pick here because mine is very very simple here you know, I can look at this over and over again. They could fight, you know, 10 times. Maybe it goes six and four or five and five. But what it really comes down to me is Figueiredo's weight cut. Now, 125 is brutal to make, you know, especially for your, when you're a guy as muscle bound and as cut as Devison Figueiredo. And that's why I don't really like betting this fight a ton because, you know, we don't really know how the weight cut's going to go. There's no way for us as analysts and for the average fan to see how that weight cut is going to end up. Now, all did I you can... see real quick? Did you see the picture of him from like last week? Yes, I was I was just gonna get to that. The social media post. Oh my god. He looks jacked. He's and... ripped out of his mind. And and the other thing is, is in that picture, he had apparently uh he was apparently only nine pounds away from the flyweight really? limit. That I didn't that, see. Uh, I just I, saw the picture. Somebody had mentioned, you know, it's floating around social media that he was only nine pounds away. And there are two ways to look at this a little a little bit. You can think, well, nine pounds. Uh, out of 134 is quite a dang big percentage of your body weight especially when you have not an ounce of body fat on you number one so you could look at it as concerning or you know if you've been following this sport for a while that's not necessarily all that uncommon i mean to lose even geez 10 percent of your body weight the night before uh a weigh-in here so I'm going to go ahead and say that we get the old Figueiredo back and he makes the weight without problems and, and he takes back the belt here. But 
I don't feel super great about it. Again, it's kind of a value play and uh, they could easily be just, you know, playing mind games and maybe the weight cut isn't going so great. So definitely get a look at him on the scale because I think what type of figurehead you get is largely dependent on what type of weight cut you have. And that is, uh, you know, all things considered, if you fought these two guys at open weight where weight didn't matter at all, I think figurehead would win more often than not here but you know it's mma you got to make 125 on the dot 125 no leeway pound there so uh you know that maybe is what's pushing the odds back to moreno for me but i know you can give a slightly more technical less narrative based breakdown than that so what are you looking for in this fight and who do you got uh, well, my end result is going to be where you I, I got where you got. I'm taking Figueiredo too. Now, these two guys are going to fight for the third time in God about 13 months, 14 months or so, which is a lot. That's a lot of fighting between two guys in a short period of time. So, I don't expect there will be any secrets. Um, I think it's quite clear that, at least me personally, I have certainly undervalued Brandon Moreno. You know, win or lose Saturday, you know, I think oh, yeah. that's that's pretty clear. I think he's certainly better than a lot of people, myself included, gave him credit for at one point. Um, look, he's undefeated in his past seven fights, 5-0-2. You know, we mentioned the Figueiredo win. You know, he beat Kai Kara France, Brandon Royval, Jussier Formiga. He's beaten good guys. So, you know, I, I don't want to say anything about this is a fluke. And I'm taking Figueiredo like, like you, but I am definitely concerned about what we saw in that second fight i mean the they didn't the two guys didn't look like they were in the same you know mm-hmm. planet let alone weight class i mean moreno just flat out blew figuero out of the water um but i do think and i agree with you if you, we're looking and i said this the second time and you know i was i don't remember who you took the second one but i took figuero in the second one too and you know, prove me, you know, if he proves me, if Moreno can prove me wrong again, I'll be impressed because I think a good portion of Brandon Moreno's success is based kind of around like heart, grit, and determination. And I don't want to take that away because that is a, you know, valid trait, you know, that not everybody has, but I think that's difficult that's something that is difficult to quantify on a fight by fight basis. You know, I don't know how you can, you know, quantify that. I think Davison Figueiredo is more physical. Uh, actually, I know he's more physical. I th- he has more power. I think he's a better athlete. But the weight cut is certainly a pr- that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And when you were talking about the weight cut earlier. I would actually, and you mentioned, I would go to the flip side and say only being nine pounds away at that point is positive. Yep. You know, I would say yeah, most guys go both ways, but definitely, right, yeah, I, I yeah. would look at that as a positive. Yep. You know, I would, I would have guessed if looking at just look if you and if you guys, if you look on Twitter, I'm sure you can find it. Like mm-hmm. he looks like, so if he's nine pounds away from 125, that means he was 134 pounds when that picture was taken. Yeah, he's so ripped in that picture. He looks like he's like 145, 150. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how Jack the guy is. It's going to be if, a tough nine pounds to get off. Don't I don't know where the wrong, nine pounds is coming from, but I think he's been in worse shape before is what I'm saying. Yes. And I, I think he has. And I do think 
he's kind of realized, not that he didn't take his weight cutting seriously the first fight, but I think he and the second fight, but I think he, Davison has figured out that he does have a physical advantage over these guys. He's more physically gifted. And if he can just simply get to fight night with his body in good shape, that his skills will take over from there. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I think that's big. And, you know, maybe we're just both being stubborn and, you know, I'm definitely worried about how much better Moreno looked than Figueiredo in the second fight. But look, Brandon Moreno, as good as he's been and as good as he looked, he has three wins via knockout in his career. And I understand knockouts don't come as frequently in lower weight classes. You know, you typically, you know, are more likely to see a decision. But then you look at this, the odds to finish on this fight are like minus 160. That's really high for a 125-pound fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think I don't and I don't have a direct answer as to how I think they're going to get it. It's going to get done. But I essentially when I don't know what I'm doing, I bet on either the underdog that provides more value or the guy I think is the better athlete. And in this case, that's Figueiredo for both. Yep. Yep. I, that's pretty much exactly how I got to where I am now. Yep. You can call us stubborn. You can call us blind after not seeing that last one, but uh, yeah, you're right. It comes down to the power. And as long as he looks okay, as long as he gets there, that's really the story with this. And what now, was his, what were the Vegas odds? I figured out plus like plus one plus one fifty five. So if you want to play the same game we did with uh, Nganu to win plus one fifty five to knock him out uh, plus four twenty five. So Plus one fifty five is a big number. Like, mm-hmm. like you could bet to bet three hundred bucks to win like four fifty or so is a big number. And this is this fight you're gonna you're in the same place you as you are in the Ninganu fight. If Figueiredo torches Moreno, you're not gonna see that number for like five years. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um. You know. Figueiredo, Figueiredo has actually, uh, you know, submitted guys consistently over his career too. So he's not as unlikely to submit him as, uh, you know, as Nganu is to Gan. But uh, uh, yeah, you can get better numbers going with the props. But still, plus one fifty five for a guy this skilled, uh, I will take it here. So uh, let's see. I'm on both dogs. You're, you've got Gan and, and Figueiredo. So uh, right there, I mean. That's some flexibility in building these DraftKings lineups. They're going to focus on maybe some favorites now here. And the the whole main card is a little bit screwy after the whole Greg Hardy, Sergey Spivak thing. We don't have a main card. We don't actually have a main card. You're right. There are four fights that I'm pretty sure that I looked up on like maybe six or ten sites have confirmed the main card. So uh, this one didn't go in your preview, but I want to quick touch on Michelle Pajera and uh, Andre Fialho. I don't even know if I'm saying that right now. These guys have been around for Fialho's at least been through Bellator, PFL, all this stuff. But anyway, Pereira is a big favorite. Also a very exceptional athlete. Also a very cut, cut individual here. He's a big favorite. 9,100 on DraftKings. Comeback on Andre is 7,100. Minus 280 favorite for Perea. Uh, Fiajo plus 225. Um, Odds to finish here are the second biggest on the main card or what we think is the main card. So again, that's part of the reason we're talking about this. Michelle Perea is, uh, you know, is an incredible athlete as long as he's not, uh, you know, necessarily dancing around you know, the octagon or, or uh, backflipping his way out or having some choreographed dance routine. I think he's starting to move past that at this stage in his career, realizing he can't do that as the competition rises here. 
and uh, he's going to be my pick and possibly one of the payoff options. This Fialho guy uh, is is no joke, though. I mean, 27 years old. He has actually fought some former UFC guys. I mean, he lost to Chris Curtis on the regionals, or actually, you hardly call PFL one or PFL one in 2019, the regional circus. Remember, Chris Curtis is the guy that stormed into the UFC and got a couple uh, upset yeah, Chris, knockout Chris wins. Curtis, a couple huge upsets. Huge upsets to start. So, you know, that's a recognizable loss here. He's got losses to guys cheating Nijuani in Bellator, Antonio Dos Santos Jr. Uh, he's got a win over James Vick, who, you know, obviously was fading faster at the end of UFC. No surprise here that, uh, you know, that uh, Fiala was able to knock him out. And he's actually on a streak. After that James Vick win, he fought three consecutive times in UAE Warriors, three consecutive first-round knockouts. So he's feeling confident. He's feeling good. But he has not faced anybody in this career. I don't see anybody on this on this resume here that I would consider as good as Michelle Perea. And uh, I think the odds makers have this one right. I'll probably get some Perea in DraftKings lineups, hoping for that finish here. Yeah, I mean, Michelle is the rare competitor who has a black belt in both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Karate. Like, you, you'll see guys who have, like, one or the other. Mm-hmm. You don't get many guys who have it in both. Yep. I mean, he, he's and he's really he's one of those really awkward, unique guys who do a lot of strange things inside the octagon and are really, really difficult to train for. And a guy making his UFC debut, you know, Michelle Ray would not be the guy I would want to face. Now, mm-hmm. he's had a couple mediocre performances lately. I mean, he's won his last three fights, but I mean, his last two. Nico Price, Chaos Williams, decent opponents. Mm-hmm. Both saw the final bell. So yeah, you know, and I mean Nico Price was landed 76 significant strikes on him. Nico Price, you know, is kind of maybe f- fading a little bit, but like Price. Oh, he can but Nico, Nico Price can take a beating too. Yes, yeah, exactly. I had actually bet on Price in Vegas uh for this one because I was I was out there for uh Connor. And uh and then yeah, you have uh you know Michelle Perea went out and lost to Tristan Connolly. That was kind of the fight where I was talking about, you know, too much pregame choreographed dance routine, that kind of thing. Then he lost to Diego Sanchez, was DQ'd. That's absolutely, you, you can throw that one out the window because uh, he was dominating Sanchez before, you know, I think he let what was a, probably an illegal knee slip. And then he's got back on track, you know, three consecutive wins, most recently two by decision. Um, I will say that Fialho is not your typical UFC debut guy because, like I said, he's fought on good regional circuits, fought in Bellator, fought, fought in PFL, has fought some UFC guys before, but I, I'm going to buy the athleticism of Perea in this one. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing that we we should probably mention is uh, this was a late-notice replacement. This was scheduled to be Perea and Muslim Salikov, and I believe that fight only fell apart within the last, I don't know, 10 days to two weeks. Yeah, you know, this is okay. This is not a super yeah. long. This is a pretty late notice. We mentioned uh, them recycling a lot of fights from, uh, you know, from the last, from the last card. It was supposed to be Perea Salikov last weekend on the Kadar Jakatsi card. And, um, and then Salikov withdrew due to undisclosed reasons uh, the Friday before. So then they brought in Fialho to be the replacement, but I think it was almost too short notice, so they pushed it back. So you're still you're only, you're only looking at about two weeks or so mm-hmm. yeah, by the time exactly. all said and done. Yeah, I mean, on the bright side, I mean, Fialho seems like one of those guys that is just about always in camp. Now his last fight wasn't since last October, so there's a little bit of a layoff there. But I mean, four consecutive first round knockout wins is good, but again, the level of competition isn't 
isn't the same here. So, you know, apples and oranges there. Uh, though, like I said, strength of record, not too terrible here. Let's talk about, though, the other fight here that we have um, on the main card. The other one, which at least seems to be confirmed on the main card. You wrote this one up here, and uh, sites are listing it there. I mean, the UFC website still, still has Hardy Spivak on the main card. So as far as I know, uh, you know, whatever – some someone could have broke some news that you know someone's going to step in and face Spivak here, uh, but uh, you know it's getting pretty late in the week for that. So anyway, we don't know what's going to happen quite yet. Again, we're recording this here on Tuesday. We started about five thirty Eastern ish, so uh, you know just to keep in mind. But there is another pretty good fight here. We've got a bantamweight matchup, a name you may have heard of, Cody Stammen taking on Saeed Nurmagomedov. No relation. You pointed that out in your preview. Thank you. I didn't have to look that up. Because, uh, of course, that's the first question. It's the first asks. thing anybody thinks of. Exactly. Now, Saeed is a pretty big favorite here. Minus 200. Stammen comeback plus 170. You know, Stammen's had a little bit of a rough run lately. He started his career hot. The competition rose, and he didn't quite step up to the challenge yet. But still a very talented fighter. Uh, Nurmagomedov Madoff on DraftKings is 8,600. Stammen, 7,600. The odds to finish here are plus 170. So we're looking at more of a decision. And for that reason... Again, there's not a lot of options on DraftKings, you know, at least in terms of well-known fighters. But uh, I'm not necessarily sure I want to, uh, you know, take a three-round fight that's plus 170 in a lower weight class like this necessarily here, unless you can convince me to change my mind. No, I really can't. Uh, Look, this is actually a pretty good fight. Um, Once you get past two title fights, I would say this is certainly one of the better ones. This is probably in the top four or five on the whole card. Um, in terms of quality, um, Cody Stammen's not bad. I mean, he has some reasonable wins. Alejandro Perez, Brian Kelleher, um, Brian Caraway. Like, he's beat some decent guys. Um, Cody Stammen's really had difficulty when he has to face better competition. Um, he's coming off back-to-back unanimous decision losses to Marab Devalishvili and Jimmy Rivera. Now, both those guys are probably, you know, certainly top 10 bantamweights. Um Cody Stem is a really good wrestler. Um, he averages about three, a little less than three takedowns per 15 minutes. And that's a great trait, but his average fight time, he's been in the UFC a while. Cody Stammen's average fight time in the UFC is 14 minutes and 18 seconds. Now, he's never fought for a title and he's never been in a main event. So that means every fight he has is a 15-minute fight. And on average, they last 14 minutes and 18 seconds. That makes it really difficult, one, for him to stop his opposition, and two, for him to provide any real DraftKings value. Um, Saeed Nurmagomedov, like you mentioned, and I mentioned in my preview, not related to Habib, um, has been pretty good early in his UFC run, 3-1, and one, a couple knockouts. Um, on the flip side, you know, Cody Stamen is a clear step up in uh, competition for Nurmagomedov, but Saeed's big. He's two inches taller than Stamen. And he's got a six-inch reach advantage. Nurmagomedov's a better striker than Stamen is, and a six-inch reach edge is a lot for Cody to overcome. Um, Cody certainly needs the victory more, um, and I think he'll be aggressive knowing that. Um, I'm not sure that's enough to get him the win. I ultimately took Nurmagomedov. Um, I think Cody, if Cody's takedowns aren't landing, I think he has. There's a real chance he gets overwhelmed on the feet. Uh, I agree with the odds to finish. You know, I think this is likely a decision. Um, I'll take Nurmagomedov via decision. Don't have a super strong lean either way, but that's the way I would roll. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a tough one. I had to you know, research this one a little bit here before the show to try to get, you know, a, a good read on this kind of thing. And, um, I mean, overall, I think I have to go with the favorite here because, uh, see, I, I'd be more likely to use the underdog on DraftKings just because, you know, again, we we expect a, a decision, but in a straight-up pick, I guess I go Nurmagomedov, and I don't feel great about it. You know, looking at all the numbers, the biggest thing that Stamming does better is working his wrestling game, 2.8 takedowns per 15 minutes. Nurmagomedov has, you know, a good, but not, you know, a, 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 right, I'd say middle of the pack, 71% takedown defense thing, uh, you know, percent, and, uh, you know, Nurmagomedov, uh, does have three submission wins. He's never been submitted. I'm not necessarily worried about that, but you know, you on the surface here, you got Stammen's biggest strength is his re- wrestling and presumably his grappling on the ground. You throw him up against one of these Dagestanis, and uh, you know, it's a whole different ball game for everybody. You know, they, they uh, this is where their bread and butter and what they do to make a living here. So I don't think, um, you know, the pick's got to be Nurmaga made of. I'd be more likely to use the dog in DFS sprinkled in not very high exposure here. I don't like betting this fight, you know, at that price, but I guess I'm going to take Saeed, uh, Saeed straight up here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe Cody Stamen doesn't have a stoppage win in the UFC. I mean, like, uh, you know, I knew he didn't have many of them. I thought he had at least one, but looking mm-hmm. back on it, he racked up a bunch of knockouts, but they Earl Kim earlier in his career on the regional circuit. It's just not a, the way he's fought in the UFC, and he's been here for four and a half years now, yeah. um, it's just not conducive to a ton of fantasy mm-hmm. success. Yeah, I mean, he beat Brian Kelleher, who looked all right last week, and then you know preceded that up. But even that, was, even that was a featherweight. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, and then he uh, you know proceeds that with losses to Jimmy Rivera and Marab Devalishvili, who again very respectable competition. Lost to Aljamain Sterling, has a win over Alejandro Perez. So yeah, there's some good wins there, but uh, you know, y- you're right. When we get to the the higher levels, and and I think he'll be at a little bit of a size disadvantage. Amazing they can't just throw this out there at featherweight here. Um, all right. So again, uh, you know, I start with back to back dogs, then go back to back favorites here. Maybe we can even it out a little bit. Like I said, that heavyweight fight has been canceled. You know, we don't necessarily know what the fifth fight is, or if we even guessed the third and fourth fights correctly here on this pay per view. Sometimes those things get shuffled late. I know. Uh, I it seems like they loosened up the COVID testing restrictions, so in theory, um, we'll be less likely to lose fights than you know we have due to COVID in the past. You know, I guess people that are vaccinated don't necessarily have to submit to as much testing, if I read that correctly. So hopefully we don't lose as much, and maybe they're just waiting for the card to, uh, you know, you know to, to to flesh out to see what they have. But uh, you wrote about a couple other fights in your uh, preview, John. Anything else you wanted to really touch on in particular? Um, I wrote up two more in my preview. I'll just touch on them quick. The first one was Adolfo Vieira against Wellington Herman. Um Vieira is legitimately one of the most talented submission specialists in the sport today. Um, He's 32 years old. He only has nine pro fights under his belt because he spent forever competing in the world of BJJ. So, um, you know, he doesn't have much pure MMA experience. Wellington Terman actually had some hype behind him when he made his UFC debut in July 2019. Um, It hasn't gone all that well. He's two and three. There's a split decision win in there, Um, you know, Terman's only 25, but he too does not have any history beating better competition. 
I'm not all that optimistic he's ever going to get there. Um, the one thing I did mention in my preview is uh, Rodolfo Vieja is so good on the mat that it kind of reminded me of Henry Cejudo's wrestling game in the sense that when you have an all-world skill like that, if you can get the rest of your game to just like even solid average, you have a chance to be a really good fighter. Now, because Rodolfo's 32, you know, I don't know if he has that super high ceiling ahead of him, but he's so good on the mat that if we could see some improvements in his striking and just his overall game, I think this is a guy who could at least have meaningful fights, you know, threaten the top 10 and that kind of thing. So the one um, thing I'll, I'll say about Vieira is now we only have six sets of odds posted as far as as deep as these props go. But if you sort, sort right now on the Rotowire MMA odds page uh, by by the odds of a round one finish, uh, it's actually Rodolfo Vieira who is uh, plus 250 with the best out of the main card fighters here, followed by Michelle Pereira, followed by Rione Barcelos, followed by Francis Ngannou. Uh, you know, so round one finish. These are from points bet is what I'm looking at right now is the book. Um, they're getting a lot of love today, I guess, because uh, early props. So sports book gets your props out early, I guess, is the lesson here. Um, but yeah, plus 250. And that's banking on the early submission. And, you know, I thought that would be I was believing that at first. Um, but Wellington Terman, he's a Brazilian who's never been submitted in his career either. So I don't know if you can necessarily bank on that one individual outcome, but again, you're going to have to make your stand somewhere with some of these favorites. And, you know, you look at the body of work for Terman lately, a win over Sam Elvey, which was split decision, by the way, that means nothing. Then losses. Then he had lost three out of his four leading up to that guys like Carl Roberson, Andrew Sanchez, Bruno Silva, kind of, you know, guys, you don't necessarily think are anything special here, but uh, this is probably good matchmaking if nothing else here, but uh, you know, the, the odds to finish numbers are at least get that first round finish. You know, if we've, we've had guys here in the office make winning DraftKings lineups just by going to this page and optimizing based on odds of first round knockout here. So if you're going to use that strategy, which I'm not necessarily advocating, there's a lot more to this game than that, but uh, at least that's one point in the column for Vieira. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Wellington Terman's problems, have typically come on the feet, and that's not Rodolfo Vieja's game. But and like you said, Terman's also a BJJ black belt, and as good as he is, I still think Vieja is on a different level. So mm-hmm. we'll see if he could threaten Terman on the feet. If he can, you know, I yeah. think that will lead to you know damage on the ground. Um, you know, the other fight I want to mention quick was Ilya Taporia and Charles Jordan, and I think this is probably the best fight on the card outside of the two title fights. Um, Taporia is legitimately one of the best fighters in the company that no one seems to know about. Um, perfect 11-0 and as a professional. Um, he's fought three times in the UFC. He has a decision win over Yusef Zalal, knockouts of Ryan Hall and Damon Jackson. Um, Charles Jordan's taking this fight on short notice. He fought about a month ago, took a unanimous decision from Andre Uhl. Um, Charles Jordan's only three, three and one in the UFC. He's fought better than that number would lead you to believe. He's a big guy. He's five foot nine. He's a big featherweight. 5.1 significant or 5.7 significant strikes landed per minute is a pretty high number. He's there to punch you and get in your face and try and make you miserable. Um, He's also a pretty good athlete. I think his athleticism is underrated. Um, Jordan can mix in a submission here and there. You know, I don't think he's going to want to go rolling on the ra- ground with Ilya Taporia, but you know, he he can compete there. 
Um, my main concern with Jordan is his fight IQ. He's one of those guys who's comfortable being involved in senseless brawls, and his chin's typically held up. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world knowing that that's where he excels. But I think it's going to be really hard for Jordan to stay off his back here. Um, you know, sample size is small, about seven fights, but Jordan defends the takedown at 45%, which is woeful. Um, I think there's a real chance that if Tapuria gets him to the mat, he just either submits him or just grinds him out for 15 minutes. So um, don't have a ton of interest in Jordan as an underdog play, even though it's a big number. Um, when I wrote my preview article, there were no DraftKings salaries for this fight as of yet. Um, mm -hmm. To give you an idea on the Vegas odds, Tapuria's minus 510 and Jordan's plus 375. So even if we do get DK salaries, um, Tapori is going to cost a fortune considering he's a minus five. Six. Is he the biggest favorite on the entire card? He has to be, right? Yeah, Tapori would be the favorite. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, the salaries are weird right now because we don't have the Jordan fight. Um, we don't have the Jack Della Madalana or whatever. Or wherever he's I'm a big favorite, he's a he's a he's north of minus 300. Yeah, so. yeah, he's minus 320 at the DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 350 at MGM. Yeah, he's so, up there. Um, yeah, so that's something you got you got there. Um, you know, I didn't, it was really hard for me to pick dogs because, you know, to be honest, some of these uh, lower card fighters, debut fighters, I had to add more IDs for these fighters, you know, making debuts than I have in recent memory. It's a big, long card. There's a lot to pick from. You know, obviously, I'm going dog, dog in the two title fights here, which uh, I don't know if I've ever done on this show before, but I think the circumstances are appropriate for that now. Um, do you have any thoughts on. Michael Morales and Trevin Giles. That's one that only stands out to me because, um, because uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to look at the fight matrix, you know, the ELO and the ELO modified. Just, I, 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 you know, I absorb as many of these stats as I can. And uh, while Morales is the slight betting favorite here, uh, Giles has, you know, all these strength of record numbers in his favor necessarily here and you know giles has been around in the ufc a little bit longer uh morales just has that uh has that one fight which is a win over Varetkinov. so i mean um you know morales obviously uh a, a younger guy undefeated but you know you're going up against a pretty big vet uh morales has a five inch reach advantage and um i i i mean i don't know this one is as close as razor thin as they get on paper here um you know, and maybe maybe you look there. Yeah, see, I see that's I was saying that's probably the one. If you were to ask me, that's probably the one. Maybe outside of the main event, um, I think that's probably the one pick'em fight on the card. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's one that's probably just you know straight up the closest. Um, as you go down, it, you know, it makes it harder. Um, there are not a lot of fighters on the early portion of this card with a lot of experience as far as UFC, um, you know, Matt Frivola is 8,700. Um, you know, that's a guy that's a, you know, you look at something like that and that's a really big salary for a guy who has got, I don't know, half dozen UFC fights and has lost four of them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, uh, you know, the one thing you got to keep in mind is, when you see these new fighters or fighters we've met debuting in the UFC, a lot of times, simply put, that 
uh, the DraftKings salaries are essentially not always, but a good portion of the value is based on what the Vegas odds look like. So if Vegas is underrating a fighter, for example, because they've never fought in the UFC, that's going to be reflective in their DraftKings salary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important on a card like this where you have a lot of fighters who have be, are making either making their debuts or might only have one or two or three fights with the UFC. You know, Gennaro Valdez against Matt Favola is 7,500 bucks. Now, he's plus 175 from a Vegas odds standpoint. 7,500 bucks for plus 175 is like not horrible. Like, I'm not saying use him specifically, but if you're yeah. looking at someone who, like, you say, oh, God, I don't want to take them, they're, you know, 7,300. How are they ever going to win? Keep in mind that there might be value in some places simply because. It's a thin card, and you have a lot of fighters we don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even even in the first fight, you've got Kay Hansen, who's super young, and uh, you know, you, yeah, what's you Kay never, Hansen like twenty two or something? Yeah, born in nineteen ninety nine. So uh, you know, yeah, you, you never know here. And I was I was looking more at that Morales Giles thing. You know, Morales is creeping up. FanDuel Sportsbook has him up to minus one forty right now. So if you did go Giles and wanted to stick to the more experienced guy. You know, maybe that's a little bit of a leverage play. But then again, of course, you got Morales who could just, you know, come blow you out of the water here. Um, but, you know, we're going to cover this again. This is just our early look show. We wanted to cover the main fights here on the card. But we got a ton more content coming to you this week. And obviously, we'll get to, uh, you know, our guys will get to do a little bit more research as the week goes on. Cole's going to have bets tomorrow. Thursday, Drake's going to do his, uh, you know, his little fighter profiles and, and his rundown. He goes all the way down to the underdog card that guy watches film like crazy and then and then on friday or thursday friday combination chris is going to do bets chris is going to do the mashups so if you're playing out there on super draft or monkey knife fight or prize fights prize picks or fan duel you know we geared the show more towards DraftKings. so um but you know chris covers it all on the friday column and then like i said fight iq at night right back here on this channel 8 Eastern on the Rotowire youtube channel uh we'll get it covered for you any final thoughts before i sign off no, that's about it. I mean, you know, this is it's kind of a thin one. You know, the two title fights should be good and beyond that, whatever kind of lineup you make is probably going to look pretty ugly on paper. Yeah, yeah. So so make a bunch of them and of course as they say in MMA DFS, may the variance be in your favor. All right, well thanks again for listening to the Roadwire MMA podcast here. Again, he is John Litterin. You can follow him at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. I'm Jake Latarski. You can follow me at Roto Jake. It'll be a little while, but the next time, well, actually, it's less than a month here. February 12th, UFC 271, Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker. Looking forward to talking uh, 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 that fight with you, John, and uh, you know, best of luck with uh, your lineups, and more importantly, uh, all your bets now. I'm sure you got some nice new promos to sign up for some sports and uh, and are ready to roll here for the weekend. Oh, yeah. I, I spent like a good day just going over all the promos for all the different sites. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. All right. So, uh, yeah, good luck to everybody out there. Tons of more content coming at you this week. Thanks again for uh, joining us early and, uh, you know, best of luck to everyone out there. Yep.